power rests on us this morning. Thank you, Jesus, for your presence. Lord, we thank you that your presence this morning is our priority. Your presence is our priority this morning. Our priority isn't um, um, to feel good about ourselves. Our priority isn't even the numbers that are here. Our priority isn't even to see our city one, but our priority is your presence. And, and we just declare that in this space. Church is here. Church is here. Just receive. Just receive Him. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we thank you for your presence. We thank you that there is no one like you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. In your holy name. Amen. Amen. Give someone a high five. Tell them it's great to see them this morning. You know what's amazing about having a new iPad? You mean to respond? You know what's amazing about having a new iPad? The fact that it's currently not opening for me and my message is on it. It's great. It's great. Rach, could you just try and get that to the, um, the pin number screen rather than my thumb? My thumb is sweaty, so it's not, it's not opening based on my fingerprint this morning. It's not opening based on my fingerprint. But I just really believe that, that you and I, oh, thank you, Rachel. That was fast. Give Rachel a hand. There we go. I just really believe that, that we think, um, that we try and sometimes live out the call, on our, of the call of God on our life, and we try and do it in our own strength. And, and, and what happens is we, we try and achieve the, this impossible dream. We try and achieve um, these, these mighty things that God has set out for us to achieve. But all that happens is that because we're trying to do it in our own strength, in our own might, and in our own power, we end up getting really tired. And, and the things that we've declared in faith don't end up coming to pass. And what that does is it causes us to live with a timid faith in the future. And, and I felt God say to me this week, um, Rachel and I have been in, in Auckland, we've been at a conference and, and, and I'm a bit of a conference junkie. And it was just one of those moments where God was just filling me up and speaking to me. And, and one of the things that stood out that God said to me, none of the speakers said this, but God just spoke it straight to my heart. He's like, um, the church is living with a timid faith. The church is living with a timid faith. And, and we look at the Bible and we see stories like David and Goliath. He was a, he was a young man who, who ran up to a giant with just a sling and a stone and conquered the giant and set a nation free. That's a faith that is a faith with power. That's a faith that's a faith with substance. And, and I believe that the church has, has, has tried to live out their God call on their life, but they've done it um, in their own strength. And what that's achieved is that the next time when we step out, we're a bit more timid. And, and we're like, oh yeah, we believe God's gonna do this. And it doesn't come to pass because once again, we're doing it in our own strength. And the next time our faith is even more timid. And the next time our faith is even more timid. I believe that God wants to say this morning that it's time to rise up with a faith that is bold. It is time to rise up with a fire on the inside. 
Um, I, I remember one of these little phrases, and, and, and I think most of you know that I've been in church basically all my life. Um, my parents, um, who are here, by the way, if you don't know my parents, they're sitting on the second to last row. Give them high fives for raising such an awesome kid later. Um, would be awesome. Um, but we, we grew up and we kind of started in a bit more of a conservative traditional church. Then my parents moved into a Pentecostal church. And, and, and one of these little quotes you would often hear is like, you'd hear people talk about the fire of God, right? Anyone remember? We used to talk about the fire of God a lot as Pentecostals. We used to talk about the fire would come down and we would get all passionate and, and we'd shout and we'd praise and we'd clap. And I think what's happened is, is that as times progress, we've just gotten used to the fire of God and we've allowed it to kind of become timid within us. One thing that I love about fire, well, I don't know if I love it because I've been through a house fire and it wasn't exactly fun, but one thing I love about fire is that it's all consuming. It consumes everything in its path. And I want to say to you, there is a faith that is all-consuming. There is a faith that is all-consuming, that will consume everything in its path. I believe that God is calling His church to rise up with a fire on the inside that would say, man, it doesn't matter, nothing's going to hold me back. I'm going to step into the things that God's got for me. I'm not going to do it in a way that's timid. Imagine if you saw a fire take place. This is kind of house fire you want in your house. It's the kind of house fire that would be like really gentle and, 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 and loving and, and the fire starts and then all of a sudden it's like, no, I won't touch your precious belongings. I will allow those precious belongings to remain and we'll just burn up around them. No, this is the thing with fire. Fire burns up everything. Yet so many of us as Christians are living a life that we call as a life of faith, but we're not allowing the fire of God to completely consume us. We're not allowing the fire of God to take over every single part of who we are. Ah, this is the thing. If you allow the fire of God to consume you, there is no room for sin in your life. If you allow the fire of God to consume you, there is no room for prideful or lustful thoughts in your life. If you allow the fire to consume you, it takes over every part of you, who you are. And then the Bible says, it then goes on to purify. And it goes on to refine you and to shape you into who God has called you to be. I wanna start off with a scripture. Okay, I should have worked on my iPad a little bit better because um, I haven't taken it off its lock-up settings. This is great, guys. Just talk amongst yourselves while I try and sort myself out here. As you can tell, I'm very, very good with technology. Um, but how am I going to take it off from going shut again? Do I know how to do that? The Lord is with us, and He is great. Can you do that for me? All right, well, I'll turn to 2 Timothy. Um, it'll come up on the screens. And one of my favorite scriptures, chapter one, verses five through to seven, if we can start with verse five, please, Ben. And it says this. It does say something amazing. Um, oh, the word of the Lord in my mouth. I forgot the next lyric, but God is good. He's with me. I love his Holy Spirit. I prophesy. Verse 5 through to 7, please. I prophesy. It's one of my favorite scriptures. Okay, there we go. Yes. Pardon? Oh, this is what happens when... See, this is why I like my old iPad as well. Because I know this one is amazing, but oh, that's one Timothy, sorry, Ben, I need two. This is crazy. 
13579. There we go, this is it. I, remember, I am reminded of your sincere faith. Everyone say faith. I'm reminded, so this is Paul speaking to a young guy called Timothy who is living with a very timid faith. And he says to him, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother and in your mother, and I'm persuaded now lives in you also. For this reason, so he's like, I'm reminded of your faith, so for this reason, I, I, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God. Like, so he's saying, I'm, I'm reminded of your faith, and now I'm encouraging you to fan that into flame. So, so this morning, he's reminding him of his faith and then he's reminding him to fan it into flame. I think there are many of us that are living with a faith that hasn't been fanned into flame. There are many of us that are living with a faith and, and, and we've been in church long enough that we know the stories of, of Daniel. We used to sit in, in, in Sunday school when our Sunday school teachers would teach us about Daniel and Daniel, he, he was a man on fire for God and he lived after the things of God and, and because of that, he was thrown into the lion's den, but God saved him. The mouths of the lions were closed. We hear about David. David was a young man who, who needed to see a giant defeated, so he ran up to the giant with just a sling and a stone and, and, and it flew and it, and it hit the giant and the head and, and we hear about Paul who, who was miraculously brought to Jesus and, and he planted church after church after church. We hear about the disciples, many of them lost their lives for Jesus and we're thinking, man, they've got great faith. They've got great faith. But my Bible says that you and I have the exact same faith, but the answer to whether that faith will be great or the answer to whether that faith will be timid lies in this verse. It says, you've got a faith. Everyone say, I've got a faith. Now fan it into flame. Fan it into flame because if we don't take the responsibility to fan our faith into flame, it's just gonna sit there dormant and empty and quiet and lazy. And I don't know about you, I don't wanna be part of a church that is dormant and empty and quiet and lazy. I wanna be part of a church that is active. I wanna be part of a church that is moving forward. I wanna be part of a church that is seeing souls saved. I wanna be part of a church that is seeing giants defeated. I wanna be part of a church that's seeing mouths of lions be shut down. That is the faith that you and I carry. That is the potential that you and I carry, but we need to fan it into flame. The gift of God, I love this next bit, which is in you. Where is it, church? It's in you. You've already got it. You've got everything it takes to see the kingdom of God come about in Nelson. I've got everything it takes to see the kingdom of God come about in Nelson. For those of you who are family members that are not saved, that don't know Jesus, you've got everything it takes to see the kingdom of God come about in their life. For those of you who have people in your workplaces that don't know Jesus, you've got everything it takes to see your colleagues come to know Jesus. You've got everything it takes and it's in you. We think that if we're perfect, we think if only we're good enough, we think that if only we try a little bit harder, that we will see the things of God come about. No, 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 God's like, you don't need to try harder, just fan what's already in your life into flame. It's already in you. This is ridiculous. This is ridiculous. Praise the Lord for all his love and glory and mercy. Well, there we go. It opened up itself. Thank you, Jesus. It then goes on to say, which is in you. It then goes on to say, it is in you through the laying on of hands. What I love about this part of the scripture, it, it, it involves others. Like we think that we can live our faith and, and, and it can be aside from other people. We think we can live our faith and it can be outside of the church. 
God's like saying, no, 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 I've created the body because you actually need to be part of something that is greater than you. You need to be part of something bigger than you. The body is, it's just so important. It's in you through the laying on of hands. And I love this next scripture. For the spirit God gave you, so that which is placed in you, that gift that is placed in you, that faith that is placed in you, the faith that needs to be fanned into flame that's in you does not make us timid. It doesn't make us timid, but it gives us power. It gives us love and it gives us self-discipline. I believe that everything needed to see the kingdom of God come about in our city is found right there in that scripture. And what's God saying? It's already in you. You've already got the power. You've already got the love. You've already got the self-discipline. It's time to, to no longer live with a timid flame. Look, I, I, I love, one of, the, one of the things I love about Rachel, there's many, um, but one of the things I love about her is that she loves lighting fires. She's completely a pyromaniac. We did have a house fire, and I'm still not sure what happened there, just being honest. Just being honest. I will tell you, however, that in our house fire, I was a total hero. I was a total hero. There was a, we, we were watching a program on TV, McLeod's Daughters, because that's, that's what, yep. And, and I heard this crackling noise, and I'm like, what is crackling in that other room? And I opened the door, and the whole kitchen dining room was just flames, and there was flames coming out above my head. And I was like, oh, Rachel, our house is on fire. <laughs> our house is on fire. And Rachel just panicked, which was great. Um, but I just stayed really calm. So here I was, I rung, I rung the fire brigade, and I rung 911 instead of 111, but it still went through, thank you, Jesus. And I told them to come as soon as possible. Um, we just moved into the house, and our front door of our house wouldn't, wouldn't open. So the fire was at the back of the house, our front door wouldn't open, and at that stage, it's coming into the lounge. And so I like just stayed completely calm. I saved my keyboard. I love my keyboard, I saved my keyboard. Rachel tried to save the TV, but she couldn't. Um, uh, like I just have these great memories of Rachel just trying to lug the TV out of the wall. McLeod's daughters are still screening and she's trying to pull it out. She couldn't miss the rest of that show. So she was trying to pull it out. Um, and, and, and so I just said to Rachel, like, Rachel, leave the TV. I've saved the keyboard, let's leave the TV. And, and so we went into one of the bedrooms and I just like wrapped the curtain around my arm like a real man and I smashed the window and I lifted my, out our dog and I threw out our cat because I'm not a cat person. <laughs> and, and then I lifted my pregnant wife through the window and I was a man in that moment. Well, I'm still a man, but I was a real man in that moment. <laughs> nothing's changed, just to clarify, nothing's changed. Just to clarify. But one thing that I know was, I'm, I'm sure the house was an extremely old house, so it was kind of like, matchsticks really, it was just gonna go in a, in, in a moment. But that fire consumed that house so quickly. That fire consumed that house so quickly. It burnt it up so quickly. And here is the thing, we try and live with a flame that's inside us, but we try and keep it small. Oh, where was I going with that? Oh, the reason, one thing I love about Rachel is that she gets up early in the morning to light our fire every morning. And by the time I get out of bed, the house is just like boiling hot. It's just the whole house has been invaded by this fire that has been built. And I believe that our whole city can get invaded by the fire that we build on the inside. But we're just so distracted. 
We're just so distracted. We're just so distracted with, with going to our jobs and making money that we forget that the one that we carry on the inside has the potential to change everything around us. And I know that some of you have a real heart for the lost. Some of you have a real heart for the broken. But God is saying He's gonna do something so much more. He wants to do something so much more through your life. He wants to bring about something so significant that you would never be able to imagine. And it starts with fanning into the flame the gift that God's got on your life. And this is the thing. We expect the church to fan it into flame. We expect the, the pastor to fan it into flame. We expect our ministries we listen to online to fan it into flame. And we get upset when we then don't achieve what God has called us to achieve. The Bible doesn't say, um, I'm, I'm reminded of the faith you carry. Now get your pastor to fan that faith into flame. It it doesn't say I'm reminded of the faith you carry. Now get your parents to fan that into flame. It doesn't say I'm reminded of the faith you carry. Now get those around you to fan it into flame. It says you fan in the flame and to flame the gift that is on your life. It's your responsibility. If you're not growing, you cannot blame those around you. It is your responsibility. You've got the decisions to make. You've got the word to read. I, I love this meme that was going around on Facebook a little while ago. I wanted to share it on Facebook and then tag people in it, but I, I thought it probably wouldn't be very wise. And basically the, the, what it was, it was, it was the sum of this. It was talking about Judas being one of Jesus' disciples. He had the best teacher. He had the best pastor. He had the best friend. He had the best resource. He had everything he needed to succeed, but he still turned his back on his call. Come on, we need to live with a fire in us that consumes everything, that your work is consumed by that fire, that there's a fire that blazes within you whenever, wherever you go, whenever you go, and that it purifies, it refines who you are. Where is the fire, church? Fan it into flame. There's a, there's a story in the Old Testament, and I'm just gonna jump to Scripture's in that shortly, and um, hopefully Ben and I have communicated well enough to, to be able to bounce around. But there's a story, and, 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 and it's about the nation of Israel, and they're in a season of drought. And, and I think that many of, us are, many of us in many churches are in a spiritual drought. And, and basically, what had happened was, is that the, the, the people had slowly but surely turned away from God. Their hearts had grown cold towards God. They started following other gods. They started following other distractions and other things. And, and what I wanted to say with that is, basically when the fire of God leaves you, all that's left is an empty shell. All that's left is religious rules and regulations. All that's left is, is a spiritual drought. Without the fire of God, what are we? We're just a club that gets together on a Sunday and eat some good food and drink some good coffee afterwards, and then we go home to face our week where we're not making an impact. Without the fire of God, we're nothing more than religion. Without the fire of God, we're nothing more than rules. And, and, and the story goes that, that um, um, there's a man, one man named Elijah who still had a fire for God burning on the inside, and he said, what if you guys call on your fake God, you call on your distractions, you call on what's out there, and I'll call on my God, and we'll see who brings the fire and that will be the real God. And, and to put it in a, into, a, into a summary, they called on their distractions. They called on their fake gods. Nothing happened. But the moment Elijah called on the fire of God, the drought ended. The spiritual drought was over. The physical drought was over. And I believe God wants to end the physical drought, but it's not going to happen by giving you more water, giving you more of what satisfies you. What's going to happen is going to be ended through the fire of God, which comes into your life. We think, and this is what I love, and I'll unpack it a little bit later, like, before Elijah called on the fire of God to come down, he grabbed water and he poured it all around the altar. 
Water, what's, what's more valuable than water in a drought? I want, I want you to get that. What is more valuable than water in a drought? Nothing. He poured out which was most valuable to the people because he wanted to prove to them that what they needed was God and his fire, not natural resource. And we think that our world, our lives is about natural resource, but really when it comes down to it, it's about the fire of God. It's about stepping into what he's got for us, amen. A fire that consumes, a fire that takes over. The reason many of our lives look no different than from those in the world is because we haven't been through this all-consuming refining fire. Without surrendering to his fire, our lives are void of the power it takes to change the world. You know, fan into flame the gift that is in you. You know, I, I own a, two cars. Neither of them are very fancy or beautiful, but they do the job. It'd make no sense if before I came to church this morning, I hopped into the car and put the key in the ignition and I just sat there going it would make no sense it'd make no sense Rachel would be very worried but it would make would that make any sense it would make no sense right but that is what so many of us do with our faith we put on the right clothes we get into the right atmosphere and then we sit there going and we might look like we're going somewhere, but we're not going anywhere because we're not harnessing into the power that lies within us, the power that is in each one of you. Within you lies the power to speak um, health over people and to see healing take place. Within you lies the power to speak um, um, life into the things that are dead. Within you lies the power to resurrect dreams that have been gone for years. Come on, that is within you. I love the story and I love the um, um, Acts chapter two when the Holy Spirit came for the first time upon every believer and it came into the room and what happened was is that the Bible says it came like tongues of fire, it rested on them and they went out and they then saw 3,000 people saved in one day. Imagine if we saw 3,000 people saved each day. How long would it take before we saw Nelson one to Jesus? It'd like take 15 days. And all of Nelson would know Jesus. That's the power that lies in us. But we've allowed this all-consuming fire to become a little pet that sits in the corner. Oh, yes, I just like this fire. It's keeping my hands nice and warm. God's like, no, it's not designed to keep your hands nice and warm. It's not designed to keep your little heart happy. It's designed to consume anything that the enemy will try and throw you away. It's designed to consume sin. It's designed to consume sickness. It's designed to consume anything the enemy would throw you away, not to keep you feeling happy about yourself. Come on, allow the fire of God to take its rightful place in your life. Without the fire of God, we're nothing but religion. We're nothing but religion. The power of God lies within you. But without it, we have nothing more than religion. We made Christianity safe. We've made Christianity politically correct. We don't want to offend anyone. You know that, <laughs> you know, that the very essence of Christianity, the very good news that God carries, the very fact that He says that He is the way, the truth, and the life. There is no way to the Father except through Him. That whole aspect was meant to offend. It's meant, it's meant to offend. People don't change unless they get offended. People don't change unless their flesh is offended. We've, we've, we've created this Christianity where we're like, um, just come as you are, which is good. We want people to come as they are. Derek, I'm just gonna use you as an illustration. We say, we say to our friends, I oh, just come to church, Jesus loves you. And, and we, take, we invite them. 
and, and we take them. And then, and then they feel guilty about sin and we're just like, oh no, it's okay, Jesus just loves you, just, just, just come, it doesn't matter. And, and we just keep moving them forward, we keep moving them forward. And we never address the fact that Derek might be a lying cheat on the inside. We never address the fact that Derek might be carrying a whole heap of pride on the inside. We never address the fact that there is all sorts of stuff that is inside of him that's actually hindering his call and because we just don't want to offend anyone. No, 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 the Holy Spirit comes to offend the flesh. So sometimes we need to say to someone, look, the direction you're going is gonna lead you somewhere where you don't wanna be. And we need to have the hard conversation. Thank you, Derek. But instead we're just like, oh no, Jesus is all about love. No, but he's also about power. The gift that's in you is about love, yes, but it's also about power and it's also about self-discipline. Oh no, Jesus loves me too much. Jesus would never turn his back on me. Right, that's very true. But the longer you allow that sin to fester in your life, the longer you allow that, that thought process which is negative, that thought process which is dark to fester in your life, the longer and more easier it is for you to live with a timid faith that doesn't burn or consume anything. Why does the, oh God say that he's like a fire that comes on the inside of you? Because it consumes sin, it, 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 it purifies you, it refines you and turns you into something that's usable. It turns you into gold, into silver. Malachi says it this way, if we could pop that up on the screen. It says, verse three, he will sit as a refiner and a purifier. So he will be like refiner's fire. He will sit as a refiner and a purifier of, of silver. He will purify you. He will purify you. God wants to purify you. He does that through his fire. But we've turned his fire into something that just kind of warms our fingers up a little bit when we're cold or makes us feel good about ourselves when we know that we've screwed up. No, 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 address, allow God to, to burn up inside of you. Allow him to make a difference within you. We've made Christianity safe and politically correct. We've made Christianity timid. The fire of God was designed to shake down prison walls. The fire of God was designed to, to close the mouth, the mouth of the enemy. The fire of God was designed to take down Goliath. The fire of God was to shift the impossible. The fire of God, it's one of love, power, and self-discipline, which you and I have made it timid. And, and if we go to um, 2 Timothy 3, verses 1 to 5, it says this. It says, but mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. And, and, and I believe I'm not, one of these pe- I'm not one of these people who walks around scaring everyone with it's gonna be the last days, we're in the last days, we're all gonna die now. I'm not one of those people, but you can take this verse as what it, what it is. It says this, there will be terrible times in the last days, and, and just compare that to what we're seeing today. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money. They'll be boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents. I'm never disobedient to my parents. Ungrateful, unholy, they'll be without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of good. They'll be treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Next scripture. Having a form, and this is what I'm trying to land, having a form of godliness, but denying its power. And I think that that is the time that we live in. Whether you wanna say we're living in the end times or not, I don't really care, that's up to you. But this is the time we're living in where we have a form of godliness. I mean, we come to church, thank you, Jesus. And we sing the songs and we clap our hands and we dance before the Lord. We, we have a form of godliness, but we're denying the power that's actually inside of us, which is the power that's actually gonna change the world. It's the power, it's the love, it's the self-discipline that's gonna change the world. We have a form of godliness. We like to look good on a Sunday, but we forget that there's actually something in us far larger than just a Sunday morning. Just a Sunday morning. I was watching this little video clip as part of my devotions, I think the week before last, and 
it was like this video clip that was kind of like making fun of what we often do as Christians. And, and there were these two guys that were sitting, they, were, they just finished their tramp and they were sitting there on the edge of a cliff, pretend this is a massive cliff. It's, I'm getting heights just thinking about it. And, and, and so they saw their friend coming walking out of the forest and their friend was blind. And so here he is, he's got his, what is it called? Cane, it's the blind man's cane thingy. And, and, he's, and he's tapping around and, and he's trying to get closer and closer. He's trying to get to the edge. And they're like, hey, Billy. And Billy's like, yeah. Tapping around and like, Billy, what are you doing? He's like, I'm just gone for a tramp. I think I've lost the track. I've gone off track somewhere. And he's like literally walking slowly towards the cliff. And, 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 and one person was like, oh, we've got to tell Billy that, that he's coming up to the cliff, that he's going to fall into oblivion, that he's going to hurt himself, that he's going to die. And the other friend's like, no, no, we've got to let him find his own path. Jesus loves him despite his flaws. Let him find his own path. And the other one's like, no, we've got to warn him. He's, he's heading towards sure death. He's heading towards the end of everything. No, 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 we've just got to let him find his own way. And that's what we've done with Christianity. We've turned it into, let's just let the blind man find his own way. Let's just let the baby Christian do their own thing because we don't want to offend anyone. We don't want to hurt anyone. And God is saying, no, 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 a fire needs to rise up inside of you that cares more about the person than about the awkward moment, that cares more about addressing the issue than it does about trying to make yourself feel good at the time. God is saying He wants to do something, but it's gonna take us, a people, to rise up and fanning into flame the gift which is inside of us, no longer denying the power, but, but, but stepping into what God's got, stepping into everything He's got for us. Amen? Where is the fire? Where is the all-consuming fire? Where is the passion to see a city reached? Without the fire of God, we have nothing more than religion. Here's the thing. If we wanna see a city lit up for Jesus, and if I, think I, if I sat across from you in a cafe with a coffee in my hand and I asked each of you, do you wanna see Nelson lit up for Jesus? Your answer would probably be yes. It's not gonna happen unless you're first lit up for Jesus. Come on, we can't deny the power that we carry. Oh, do you want to see Nelson reached? Well, yes, but God's got to reach you first. Do you want to see God's kingdom increased in our city? Yes, then let God be increased in your life first. We have this mentality where we compartmentalize. We're like, at church, I'm a Christian. Before dinner times, I'm a Christian. But then, especially us guys, we go on internet, we're no longer a Christian. Or we, 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 we meet up with a friend and we start to gossip and all of a sudden we're no longer a Christian. Or we go to the workplace and we're too embarrassed to tell people that we're a Christian. And God's like saying, no, 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 the fire has got to consume every part of your life. That is which brings life. That is what will bring increase. That is what will bring about the power within you. We've got this all-consuming fire of God. We've put it in a box and we've called it church. Like, Close the box. This is church. We enter the fire at church. No, no, no. The fire is in you. Verse 21 of 1 Kings 18. This is Elijah. He's about to speak to the people. And he says to them, how long will you waver between two opinions? Church, I know none of you worship Baal. Well, at least I don't think so. I hope not. Let's have a conversation. But Elijah's saying to the people the same thing I want to say to you, the same thing I say to me. There's a how long will you waver between two opinions? If God is real, if God really sent his son to die for you, then your whole life should be consumed with that. Your whole life should be consumed with the fire of God. Everything, from the moment you wake up to the moment you 
go to sleep to the very dreams that you carry at nighttime. Everything should be consumed by that thought. How long will you waver? If we truly believe Jesus lived as alive, wouldn't we live a fully surrendered life? And, and this morning, I, I know we're kind of running out of time, but I wanna take a bit of a test, um, a bit of a test just to see where you guys are at, to see where I'm at, because it really spoke to me this week. And, and I wanna see whether your faith is a, is a timid flame which is about to become religion, or whether it's a roaring, consuming fire, which is about to take over. The first thing I wanna ask is this, or mention is this, if your faith isn't burning you up on the inside, it's in danger of becoming religion. Ask yourself that question, is your faith burning you up on the inside? Is it taking over? Has your faith taken over every thought, every, 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 every day that you plan in your calendar? Has your faith taken over? Has, has your belief in Jesus taken over? If it hasn't, it's in danger of becoming religion. Elijah could have settled. I don't know if Elijah had any mates. It seems like he didn't have very many mates. But, but I, I, know, I know what his mates would have said. If Elijah had said to his mates, we're gonna go up to the top of Mount Carmel and we're gonna call down the fire of God and we're gonna add water to the altar. We're gonna put stones. It's gonna be dry. It's gonna be wet. And, and we're gonna call down the fire of God. And, and we're gonna tell the prophets of Baal, there are 400 of them that they should do the same. But we're gonna prove that our God lives. Elijah's mates would have been like, Elijah, shut up. That's a stupid idea. That's a stupid idea, but Elijah was so consumed with the fire of God that he was not going to let anything stop him from bringing the fire of God to his nation. The second one is this. If your faith isn't making a difference in the world around you, it's in danger of becoming religion. If your faith isn't making a difference in the world around you, it's in danger of becoming religion. I love the story in Acts chapter two. 3,000 people were added to their day, to their number that day. That's what lies within us. We've been called to make a difference. And, and I think sometimes it's very easy, and I'm just gonna come and sit next to Francie for a moment. Next, I'm gonna go on the third row because it's empty. Sometimes it's, it's very easy for us to sit in church and think, um, yeah, the pastor, it's his job to change the city. It's his job to, to, to reach out to people. Or we, we look at Derek and Zoe and, and they're on stage and they're jumping around looking good and doing their thing. And we're like, yeah, yep, yeah, yep, yeah, it's their job to reach the city, or, or we look at someone that's been a Christian for many years, like let's say Richard. We're like, it's Richard's job to reach the city. Or we look at someone who's basically perfection, so we look at Francie, and we say, Francie, it's Francie's job to reach the city, and, 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 and we allow our faith to be this timid little flame, and we just come to church and sit down and allow other people to try and fan that flame into being, but we don't take any responsibility for it. And God is saying, Bart's not gonna reach the city. Derek and Zoe aren't gonna reach the city. Richard isn't gonna reach the city. Francie's not gonna reach the city. You are going to reach, the church will reach the city. I'm tired of, 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 of being, being like, and I'm not saying this in a judgmental way because I'm there myself. I'm tired of being a church that thinks that we just sit back on a Sunday and that is all it's gonna take to change the world. No, 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 it's gonna take a fire that comes and rises up on the inside that consumes every thought, every moment, every insecurity, every fear, everything that would try and come against us, that we would rise up and say, no, 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 my job is not about how many sleep-ins I can get on a Sunday morning. My role is about getting to church and making sure that we're on fire so that we can go out on Monday, on Tuesday, on Wednesday, on Thursday. I'm not gonna get to know your neighbours. 
My, my time, I've got just as many hours in my day as you do. I've got 24 hours in a day. I've got seven days in a week. I can't take the responsibility to get to know all of your neighbors, to invite all of them to church and into a relationship with Jesus. God's placed you in your neighborhood for that very reason. We can't sit there and say, hi to our neighbor. I'm loving how you're walking to the edge of that cliff like a blind man. You're about to fall over, but high five. Good to see you. Ah! We can't live life that way. There are people that need to get to know Jesus that are walking towards the cliff. And it's our job to say, come on, mate, you're going the wrong direction. You're going the wrong direction. You can't keep living life that way. I love you, but you can't keep living life that way. Yet we just allow it to happen. No, no, if your, will, if your faith isn't making a direction, if your faith isn't making a difference in the world around you, it's in danger of becoming religion. Number three, if your faith isn't dreaming for and declaring the impossible, it's in danger of becoming religion. What, is, what are you declaring at the moment? I love how Rachel brought out the power of the tongue. What is it that you're declaring? What is it that you're declaring over the lives of your children? Every day I declare that they are destined for greatness. Every day I declare that there's something in their future that, that, that they're going to see many people saved. I love the fact that when Caitlin was very young, one of her dreams was that she was going to have a million daughters. And I'm like, that's physically impossible, but spiritually it's not. Let's go with it. You can have a million daughters in the Lord. You know, what are you declaring? What are you dreaming for? I think when I first became a Christian, um, which was quite young, I was about 12 years old when I made that decision, I very quickly decided I wanted to be in ministry. And I, and I declared, man, we're gonna, see, we're gonna see people saved, we're gonna see cities reached, we're gonna see whole people groups completely turned around and, and get to know Jesus. And, and then as life happens and you allow your faith to become timid and you allow that fire to die down, all of a sudden you're not declaring those same things as boldly anymore. But God is saying, come on, build up your faith so that you can boldly declare because there's power in the tongue. There's power in the tongue. Elijah came up to his people and he said, the fire of God will fall today. Come on, imagine if each one of us went to church on a Sunday morning and we were prayed up and we were ready and we're like, man, the fire of God will fall today. It's gonna fall, so it's gonna consume every bit of sin. It's gonna consume every single bit of pain, every insecurity until the only, the only thing that's left is refined silver or gold so that I can go out and make a difference. Come on, we need to step into a place where we're calling on the fire of God. Number four, if your faith doesn't cause you to live a life that is set apart, it's in danger of becoming religion. Verse 22, please, Ben. Verse 22, it says this. Elijah saying to, I am, said, I am the only one. Everyone say, only one. If you were the only one, if you were the only one, would you still be living for God? There was no one left in all of Israel. Everyone had turned their back on God. Everyone had turned away. All of his colleagues had turned away. All of his friends had turned away. Everyone had turned away. He said, I am the only one left. If your faith isn't calling you to be set apart, it's in danger of becoming religion. When you walk into your workspace, you're not just Bob that works at Bob's job. You're not just Bob. You're, you're someone who carries the power of God. And the power of God sets you apart. But the moment we try and fit ourselves into the world, the moment we try and joke like those joke around us, the moment we try and speak like the people speak around us, the moment we try and act like the people that are acting around us is the moment that our faith has become empty and void and it's just a timid flame which is turning into religion. You've been called to set apart. You've been called to have conversations with people simply because people are like, man, there's something different about you. 
What is it about you that, that always seems like there's, there's a greater purpose? What is it about you that always has a smile on your face even though you face some things that are extremely difficult? What is it about you? Elijah was set apart. He was the only one left. Number five, if your faith is a lot of effort yet carries little fruit, it's in danger of becoming a religion. See, what had happened, and we can go to the next scripture, please, Ben, verse 27 to 29. See, the, the prophets of Baal were calling on their God. And the Bible says that they were calling on their God over and over again. And, and Elijah starts to taunt them. Elijah's like, maybe your God has gone on a holiday. Maybe he's on vacation. Maybe your God doesn't care about you as much as you thought he did. And, and, and at noon, Elijah began to taunt them. He's like, shout louder. Surely he is a God. Perhaps he's deep in thought. Perhaps your God is busy or he is traveling. Maybe he's sleeping and he must be awakened. So they shouted louder and slashed themselves with swords and spears as was their custom until their blood flowed. Midday passed and they continued their frantic prophesying until the time for the evening sacrifice. But there was no response. Now I know here that they were worshiping Baal. We don't worship Baal. We don't. But often it's a picture of how our faith looks. Our faith is all about shouting a little bit louder. Our faith is all about acting a little bit more righteous. Our faith is all about a little bit more of the image, a little bit more of, 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 of what we can achieve. And, and there's no answer. If your faith is a lot of effort, it carries little fruit, it's in danger of becoming religion. You know what I love about our God, that it's all about His presence? You see, Elijah didn't have to do a song and a dance to get God's attention. Elijah didn't have to cut himself to get God's attention. He just needed to enter God's presence. Stop trying. I love that song we sing. Though I know it's like, stop striving. Just rest. Just trust Him. Just know Him. Number six, seven. I know you're excited about seven points this morning. If your faith is distracted with material possessions rather than sold out for the kingdom of God, it's in danger of becoming religion. Verse 33, Elijah arranged the wood. He cut the ball into pieces and laid it on the wood. And then he said to them, fill four large jars with water and pour it out on the offering and on the wood. I mentioned it earlier. The most valuable thing to anyone in a drought is water. I think it's amazing. I think it's phenomenal that Elijah, and he does this three times, and the next scripture says he does it three times, that Elijah fills up 12 jars with the most precious thing possible to the nation of Israel, and he just pours it out before God. If our focus is more on our material possessions, if our focus is more on the water in our lives than it is on the fire of God, I'd be like, Elijah, what are you doing? Elijah, this is ridiculous. You can't pour out the most valuable thing we have on the altar. You can't pour out the thing that has the most value. We need to save that. We need to, we need to turn it into wine or something. Do something different. Just don't pour it out. But Elijah's like, no, 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 I have no use of this without the fire of God. Our material possessions is of no use if we do not have the fire of God. 
If your faith isn't as distracted with material positions rather than sold out for the kingdom of God, it's in danger of becoming religion. And my final point, I'm gonna ask the team to come forward is this. If your faith isn't about turning the hearts of the lost back to the Father, it's in danger of becoming religion. Verse 36 to 37. At the time of sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward. He just entered the presence of God. And he said, Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac and Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and have done all these things at your command in Scripture. Answer me, Lord. Answer me so that these people will know that you are God. Elijah wasn't concerned about proving a point. Elijah wasn't concerned about making his ends be met. Elijah wasn't concerned about the way his religion looked to others. All he was concerned about is if God would answer him so that they would know. God, will you answer me so that they will know? Answer me so that they will know that you love them. Verse 38 and 39, then the fire of the Lord, everyone say the fire of the Lord. The fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, the soil. When all the people saw this, they fell before God and they said, He is God, the Lord, He is God. The thing that will end the spiritual drought over our nation, it's not our money. The thing that will end the spiritual drought over our nation is not our material positions, it's not the water in our life. The thing that will end the spiritual drought in our nation is the fire of God. It's the fire of God. Where is the fire of God? It's in you. It's in you. Why isn't the government making a difference? Why aren't the, why aren't, um, the homeless people being um, um, having homes provided for them? Why is there so much poverty in our nation? We try to pass the buck. We blame the government. We blame the, the charities. We blame others, but we never look at the fact that the fire that's in us has the potential to change the world. The fire that of God, the fire that the same fire that was called down from heaven and, and saved the nation and brought a, brought a physical drought to an end, that same fire lives within us. We've been called to step out. We've been called to bring that about. Let's just stand before God this morning. Thank you, Jesus. It's a fire that consumes, it's a fire that purifies, a fire that refines, a fire that perfects. I need our prayer this morning to be fire fall down. Fire fall down. Fire consume my very thoughts, my very, my very being consume. Thank you, Jesus. Oh Jesus, we worship you. Thank you, Lord. Come on, church, make this your prayer. Come on, call down the fire of God. Fan the fire into flame. Fire, fall down. Fire, fall down. On us we pray. Fire, fall down. Fire, fall down. On us we Fire, fall down, fire, fall down, just enter His presence, let's be the fire.